You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. As always, my name is Colin Kelly, bringing you this show week in, week out. And uh, we're back to recap the NFL Divisional Round. Tough, tough one coming back here for me to recap this one. The Packers, obviously, their journey did end this past weekend, but we'll be talking about that in just a little moment. What a dramatic game it was. One of the best games I've watched over the last uh, five or six years. Some people calling it one of the greatest playoff games of all time. So we're breaking down that in a little minute. And um, I have to say, outside of losing it, a terrific, terrific game. We had a couple of really strong games this weekend compared uh, to last week where there was spectacular endings. This week we had games that were very interesting from the start and throughout to break down those games i'm going to be joined by jeff reinbold currently at the moment on sky sports nfl coverage uh, in the uk obviously as well part of the hamilton tiger cats coaching staff there he is the special teams coordinator in the cfl for the hamilton tiger cats unlucky again this year not to get that gray cup ring but uh, they've had a couple of successful years with just having won the Grey Cup at the end of it all obviously that is the equivalent of the CFL's Super Bowl a start in the show as always thanks for downloading thanks for listening keep spreading the word of OTI as you have been doing on social media really really do appreciate the support uh, if you want to help us a little bit more on iTunes and Stitcher give us a written and a comment on there help move us up those rankings each week do thank you each and every week and uh, I am very very appreciative of the support that you do give to the show the games as i mentioned were fascinating we're uh, storytelling i guess and we're going to go through those stories now and uh, let's get jeff on the show let's recap this weekend's nfl action it's the oti weekend roundup Joined back on the podcast once again by Jeff Reinbold. A lot of you know him, obviously, on Sky Sports coverage. Uh, he's been doing that there the last couple of seasons in the playoffs. Uh, while he's not doing that, he's also the special teams coordinator with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Unfortunately, again this year, as I mentioned just in the intro, just missed out on that Grey Cup ring again this year, Jeff. But uh, it's a pleasure, as always, to have you back on the show. It's my pleasure. What do I say to you now? Is good day. Good day, mate. Good day, mate. Is that the way we do it? You're down in Australia, man. Yeah. Really, really international uh, between our conversations, Jeff. Usually, um, I'm in Ireland. You're in, uh, you know, up around Buffalo or up, up around Canada. Maybe even sometimes in Hawaii. So we have took we've really taken this international. You're in the UK now, and I'm in uh, Melbourne, Australia. So funny the locations that, uh, and it's amazing. Well, it's not amazing. Sometimes uh, we had some difficulties getting the Skype set up, but it's amazing the 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 the, uh, the wonders of modern technology. Yeah, it, what's amazing is that I can handle it because I am the most IT challenged guy in the whole world. So I, I apologize for taking time getting this done. Yeah, and uh, hopefully after we finish up talking, a lot of the listeners that uh, if they haven't heard you on the show before, hopefully they have. Uh, we'll go and follow you on Twitter, and uh, they'll probably wonder then why is Jeff uh, tweeting to me in capital letters as he angry at me? Uh, <laughs> Jeff, do you want to give them the reason? <laughs> okay, so so we can use it as a disclaimer. The the yeah. reason calm is the fact and you know this i can't see i mean i like i'm almost blind (laughs) and so when i when i put a message out on twitter the other day i was in the i was in the nfl office and i was trying to tweet something and i nick pike our producer grabbed my phone and he goes jeff you've misspelled three words it's not that i can't spell it's just i can't see and my thumb doesn't work all that good so i have to put it in large case so that i can actually read it or it's really going to be a mess so i apologize to all all the people out there and I, it's it's amazing man I, every at least 
twice a week I get people that say, hey, what are you mad about? I'm, saying, I'm not mad about anything, man. I just can't see. Yeah, it's really, really is a funny one. Um, I often see responses on that. With, uh, with the games obviously coming up this or, or that happened this past week, a lot of interesting games. Um, you know, I'm a Packers fan and it was a tough loss against the Arizona Cardinals, but what a game it was, uh, 26-20 after overtime. And uh, it's really hard to know where to start with this game, just all the craziness that went down, whether it be uh, the way the Packers got it to overtime with the Hail Mary, and not to mention they started with, a, I think it was a fourth and 20 on their own two-yard line before that Hail Mary and just all the stuff all around the the touchdown that the Cardinals got to take the lead uh, in the fourth quarter the deflection that went to Floyd and just throughout the game there's so many turning points in this game Carson Palmer struggling kind of true out with a couple interceptions but then in the end Larry Fitzgerald getting the job done in overtime and they get the win but just from start to finish Jeff and I know you've been watching the game a long long time um, one of the one of the more entertaining games uh, definitely in playoff history well, you know, the whole weekend was like that calm. Every game came down to the last minute. And certainly the Packer game was fascinating to me because, you know, you go back three weeks, I think it's been, or a month ago, and they went down to Phoenix and just got pounded. I mean, just pounded. Nine sacks and yep. really looked like they were completely unraveled. And, you know, then they go and lose at Minnesota and, and finally get a little bit of their mojo back at Washington. But, you know, I'm just amazed by Aaron Rodgers. His composure, his ability to compete, you know, every down, down after down. Look at what happened to them. I lose, You know, they lose Devontae Adams, and then they lose Cobb. Yep. And they got two guys out there, Ab- Abraderis and, and uh, Janice. And those guys have 11 catches combined on the season. Janice has two catches. He's just a special teams guy. Yeah, I was going to say that. And, and then, then they have to step up, and they got to be players because, you know, it was interesting what Arizona did. They put Peterson on Jones and completely took him out of the game. And so now you're relying on these two young guys that aren't rookies, but they're really rookies in, in, in terms of their experience on the field. And somehow Aaron Rodgers makes some players. And – it's just phenomenal to me what that guy does. It is absolutely beyond description. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's easy for me to say being a Packers fan, what he does is amazing. But as you mentioned, and you didn't even mention the loss of Jordy Nelson preseason. So he was down to his uh, fourth and fifth wide receivers. And Jeff Janis, uh, as you'll know well, he is a special teams player for the Packers. And he's been very good this year on punt coverage, kickoff coverage. But we weren't expecting him to be in, uh, you know, getting these big plays. You can see that he has athleticism. You know, you can see he has the speed. He, you know, he can kind of jump out of the gym. He's one of those sort of players. But the problem he has is his time and his right running is definitely below par. And uh, we've seen that a couple of times in this game too. One time down in the red zone. And it doesn't seem like Rodgers just trusts him to be where he needs to be uh, when well, he throws the ball. You know what, Calm? I don't know how he can trust him because they don't get enough reps together. I yeah, mean, very true. You know, really, when you're that far down on the depth chart, and this is the thing people got to understand, in pro football, you don't have that many reps every week to get ready to play. So if you're, you know, if you're Aberderis or you're Janice, you don't get reps because those reps are going to go to Cobb. Those reps are going to go to Jones. Those reps are going to go to Adams. Those guys that are going to play in the game. And you just try and get what we call mental reps in pro football. And, you know, there's no excuse for playing. I mean, there's no substitute for playing. So, you know, you, you pick through the rubble of the loss if you're a Packer fan. And it hurts. It's painful. You know, it wasn't what you wanted. Obviously, everybody's 
you know, fighting for that same goal, and that's to win a yep. championship. But when you look forward to next year, you see what can happen when Bakhtiari is playing left tackle and yeah. Sitton is at le- left guard and Bulaga's healthy. You know, they go from nine sacks to, I don't know what it was, one, one or nothing. two. Yeah, one nothing. Yeah. yeah, and then on top of it, defensively, they have a tremendous group of young secondary players. Those guys can all yeah. play. Yeah. You know, the key play in the game to me was when Sam Shields dropped, dropped the interception it. on the goal line. And that's what happens in, in playoff football, Calm, You have to make the plays that are there for you to make. And he had a play that could have clinched the game and didn't make it, and he'll learn from that and grow from that. But if you're a Packer fan, think about the future. you got Lacey, you got Starks at running back. You're going to get Jordy back. These two young, big, long wide receivers that can run – had tremendous experience at the end of the season that you can't buy that playoff experience yeah so they'll come to camp and push Devonte adams and push cobb and put they'll be much the packers are going to be a really good football team as long as they can keep peppers around they got to get peppers to come back and play another year or two because he's got that in ten and a half sacks yeah you know, i don't care if he's 36 or 40 he's a, <laughs> he's a good football player yeah, he he came on very strong at the end. I've been very impressed with the defense over the last kind of eight or nine weeks, but just uh, so banged up on offense and um, coming back next season strong. It'll be interesting. You mentioned push Devontae Adams. Uh, maybe these guys could bypass him because his season this year, uh, although he was injured in this one, wasn't uh, that impressive. A lot of people were expecting him to bounce back. But again, the whole offense struggled. But it just shows again, uh, you know, a down year for the Packers, almost making it to the NFC Championship. So you see that as well. Last year's funny, you know, the, the opportunity against the Seahawks. Um, I think it was Sam Shields as well. Or it might have been Morgan Burnett had the interception in that one mm-hmm. late in the fourth quarter. And Peppers told him to slide. And then this year, the you know, a chance for an interception in the fourth quarter. And it's fumbled. But... They're the things uh, in playoff football that make you win and lose. And this loss wasn't as tough to take uh, as the loss last year against the Seahawks. That one will live long in the memory. This one with uh, how close it was throughout. I think a lot of people were expecting with the result a few weeks ago that the Packers would get blown out again. But um, they put up a good show here. Fought uh, bravely with what the pieces they had and were just very unlucky. Finally on Aaron Rodgers, uh, another another Hail Mary touchdown too in the one season. Pretty incredible and... You know, we always talk about arm strength and how far you can throw the ball. We all know Carson Palmer has a, a very, very strong arm, Joe Flacco as well. But with the way he threw, even the, the fourth and 20 pass might have been more impressive than the actual Hail Mary pass. But th- just the ability he has when he's under pressure, even falling away from the ball to, you know, to throw it 60, 70 yards is uh, quite incredible. Well, you know what? Somebody showed me a picture today on the fourth and 20 completion where he's in the end zone running with his back turned to the receivers and who would have ever thought if you'd have just froze that moment right there and said what are the chances that they're going to convert on this play i mean the guy's unbelievable unbelievable and you might get if you're lucky and you're a high level quarterback you might get one hail mary completion in your life and he's gotten two in a season and i just really think that it's you know, we really need to take a breath and, and, and think about just how blessed we are to have an opportunity to see a guy like that play. 
Yeah, and as a, obviously as a Packers fan, I want to see him get more rings. But I think you know if he gets that second ring, it would really cement him uh, among the all-time greats. Speaking of freezing moments in time, Jeff, and what's going to happen after that? Their play uh, that Carson Palmer scrambles out to his right, throws it to his left, Larry Fitzgerald for the big pickup at the start of overtime. If you freeze that when he bumps into his uh, offensive lineman, <laughs> I don't think we all think that it's uh, a completion downfield uh, for I think it was seventy yards. Yeah, you know what it was, it's and, and again. Yeah, that's playoff football. I mean, that is playoff football. That's why we all love the NFL so much. And, you know, when when those plays happened and you root, somebody sent me a text today or a tweet today and they said, who do you root for? I said, shoots, I grew up a Raiders fan. I grew up a Lions fan. But now... As you, as you get into the game and you've coached in the game and you, you realize that you root for people. Yeah. And Larry Fitzgerald is one of the class guys in the National Football League. And I saw a tweet that Tyron Matthews sent that he said, Kings do what King. kings do. <laughs> yeah, and and it's really, really true. If, if I could just – if I had a magic wand, I'd make Odell Beckham and, you know – some of these young receivers go be Larry Fitzgerald because, you know, here's a guy that 13 years with the same organization, been through the really bad times, been to a Super Bowl, uh, been demoted, you know, is not the number one anymore, moved him inside the slot, never complained, just did what he was asked to do, blocks, does all the little things that great receivers do. And at a time when his team absolutely needed him, he stepped up. And I, I think that defines what a player is. Not, you know, a one-hand catch in the end zone or, you know, how many Twitter followers you have or, you know, what commercial you do or any of those other things that are so silly. It's what you do for your football team. And and calm after the game, when yeah. he took time to – what did he talk about after? It wasn't me. It yeah. wasn't I did this. It was Martin. our team – our defense, our coaches, yeah. and then, then you know, even more, more poignant to me was, you know, his, his you know, reaching out to Mort, yeah. who was diagnosed with throat cancer. And, you know, that to me, that's class. That yeah. is class. He is definitely one of the classiest players. And you mentioned, you know, stepping up in a big-time moment for his team. He stepped up time and time again throughout his career. First player in NFL history to have three 150-yard receiving games in the playoffs. And uh, just his playoff career, what he's done, he hasn't made it there all that many times, but the year they got to the Super Bowl this year again. Just a sensational player, sensational athlete, and all-around good guy. Moving on to the next game, uh, the New England Patriots got a win against the Chiefs. And I know you're a big fan of Bruce Arians, but uh, a lot of people questioning the coaching style in this here, one after it of Andy Reid. And, you know... I think uh, it's uh, the the touchdown they got to get to the the twenty point mark. I think I I seen an article that it's the longest uh, <laughs> drive when you're two scores down. You know, you got the ball. I think they got the ball with eight minutes to go, and even when they uh, were under two minutes, they're huddling and in the red zone. I know they did get the touchdown in the end up, but you know, a, a lot of time taken off the clock, saved their timeouts and so on. Um, just uh, per clock management, or do you think he went about it in a logical way? Well, I think there's, you know, that's that's really an interesting point because we can all sit on the outside and debate it and talk about what we would have done, could have yeah. done, should have done. I, I think what the reality of it is is that they did what they had to do to score on that long drive. Yeah. And then at the end, if there was any issue to be taken, it was 
using as much time as they it, it seemed that they needed to do to get to the line of scrimmage, get a play called, and get a play executed. Because, again, when you look at the highest level teams, and, and you know, you, it, it seems like redundant, but you always go back to New England because that's, frankly, where they're the best coached. And you don't see those types of of issues you know uh we'll talk about the carolina game i'm sure in a yep. second and and there's some you know there were some things that you know coach vermil used to always say to us as a staff he'd say you know player mistakes are coaching opportunities well coaches mistakes are coaching opportunities too yeah. and you know an opportunity to go back and look at it and say you know did we take our foot off the pedal too early were we using too much time between plays how can we be a better clock manage you know all those situational football things that frankly, and I look at the Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh played horrible situational football in the kicking game, and it ended up, you know, putting their defense in, you know, in bad position just too many times. Um, with this game as well, the, the Chiefs um, thirty-eight minutes of possession. Um, I think the Patriots and the Patriots ran the ball only ten times in the entire game. So both teams kind of doing the you know quick pass and a lot of running though by the uh, Kansas City Chiefs a lot of uh, three yard gains that's what they, they're so consistent all season on this winning streak of three yards here four yards there four yards again get that first down but it's uh, almost like death by a thousand paper cuts there's you know rarely have the uh, explosive plays and obviously Jeremy Macklin wasn't 100% in this so I think just overall the Chiefs had a, a game script that they followed in this here kind of 12 game span and it did work for them because they did put up points but it Again, settling for field goals too often and I tweeted out early in the I think it was the second quarter that this game was already over because the Patriots uh, seemed in, in my opinion they seemed in control all the time they seemed to you know those short passes then hitting Gronk and they didn't have to run the ball at all it just seemed to they, they kind of negated the the Chiefs strength as well which is that pass rush to help the secondary get extra time to try and make those plays on the ball well I think there are really a number of factors a number of storylines in the game number one you know, Sebastian Vollmer got back and got healthy and moved over to left tackle. Now, he's a right tackle by trade, but he stepped in at left tackle and Cannon played right tackle. And they gave up one pressure each against two of the best pass rushers in the National Football League, Tom Bahali and, and Justin Houston. So it was a phenomenal job by those guys. And, and nobody looks at the offensive line because, you know, you don't look there. You look at the sexy positions, the tight ends, the wide receivers, the quarterbacks. But you got to have an opportunity to throw the football. And Kansas City was depending on those guys to get them pressure, and they didn't get it done. And so now when you can't rush the passer, the focus now goes on the back end. And it's really difficult to to try and match up with what New England does because Edelman is so crafty and he understands what Brady wants so much. Gronk is he's he's a different level. I mean, There's you no saw on the goal line. Yeah, <laughs> you, you saw on the goal line. Sean Smith, who's a big corner, goes out and tries to match up with him and, and Brady throws a back shoulder fade and it's right where it needs to be. I think here's the thing, too, as you look at that game, Calm. It's not about possession time because that's an old school NFL thought. Now it's about exactly what you talked about is can you get me explosive plays? You can run an offense like Kansas City runs where you're willing to use clock and it's basically you use the bubble screens, the smoke screens as running plays, yada, yada, yada. Well, that's all good as as long as you're even or ahead. But when you get behind, that's when it gets to be problematic for you. And so... In 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 its essence, it was a well coached game by Belichick because he 
took away the explosive plays, or he and Matt Patricia took away the explosive plays from Kansas City and made Kansas City, once they got behind, use time. And, you know, again, I thought Alex Smith played an outstanding football game. And it just it just wasn't – they're not built to play from behind. And uh, Exactly, and that's the reason that, you know, I picked against them against the Texans. I proved very, very wrong on that one. But it's just the case of if they fall behind, they just don't think they have the plays to get those points up. But they, all, all accounts, a very, very successful season. First team from a 1-5 start to the season to make the playoffs. And some, some good pieces there moving forward towards next season. A game that, uh, you know, we, we often predict games, try and guess what's going to happen, Jeff. And week in, week out, we are proving that uh, really we... <laughs> Most of the time, know absolutely nothing about how these games are going to go. The Carolina Panthers went thirty-one to twenty-four. The halftime score in this, as everyone guessed, was uh, thirty-one to zip. And uh, in the second half, Panthers shut out like the Seahawks were in the first. And at the end, it was a little bit of nervous time for uh, the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm sure they were. And I, I you know, you could tell by Cam's reactions on yeah. the sideline and. <laughs> You know, and again, uh, you know, Ron wasn't very comfortable in the second half either. And I think they'll learn from this. I think they'll grow from this. I, I, it was interesting Cam's comments after the game. He said, you know, we played like a bunch of guys with tight butts, and, <laughs> and they did. And, you know, Ron said the same thing. He said, you know, we got into survival mode instead of, you know, keeping our foot on yeah. the gas. And see, these are the great things, Calm, about coaching. You know, it's like when you go through this now and they've sat as a staff and they've watched the tape and they've gone through the calls and all of the things going forward now to Arizona. What happened in the second half to Carolina has given Ron Rivera a tremendous opportunity to coach his football team yeah. and say, hey, men, we go down there in that crowd that far away i mean or they're coming to us and we get ahead we have got to finish we've got to put our boot on their throat and choke them out that's what great football teams do that's what his 85 bears the team that he was on that won the super bowl that's what they did when they got ahead they didn't back off buddy didn't stop sending blitzes they blitzed more and so that's the mentality that they're going to have to develop i thought sean mcdermott did a great job of staying inside of the plan right zone blitzes don't give up big plays make russell wilson work and russell wilson oh my god is he a special player yeah it's amazing with wilson i just you can't week in week out you think oh this team's done and they have no chance i don't think there's any player in the nfl that probably believes and what he can do as much you know he came out at the start of that second half and he's telling the players come on we're going to do this right now and then come out uh, touchdown within i think a minute and a half then they get another touchdown shortly after that and you actually start to believe because it's Russell Wilson that this is actually possible they could come back and he's done it in so many games they before this game if they were trailing by I think it was nine points uh, they had an, a five and two record out of seven games while tra- trailing by nine points in the playoffs and you know the, I said the rest of the league I think was something like 14 and 68 or something so it's pretty crazy uh, what Pete Carroll has coached into that team the self-belief that they have but you know you mentioned as well with the Panthers you can imagine if they were say 14 down at halftime and come back and win this game they're going into that game with the pa- with the Cardinals with huge confidence huge belief like overconfidence almost and this here it'll give Ron Rivera a chance just to keep everything in check just make 
sure that the egos are kept in check and i think that's going to be a huge help to the panthers going forward but the the first half of this game for the panthers um as dominant as anything we've seen all season cam newton moving the ball with ease um you know a nice touchdown pass to, to greg olsen great catch by him but uh, all around i think that the the panthers defensively and offensively just looked tremendous in that first half they had jonathan stewart back he's the first guy to go over 100 yards rushing against the seahawks in 27 straight games so they uh, they did their formula they wanted to run the ball and then obviously some of the passing game going but in the second half they did kind of revert into a shell a little bit but I think as you mentioned they will learn from that going forward but first half uh, you had to be just sitting uh, hugely impressed by what they did yeah I, I no question and I, and I think the guy that really needs the credit a lot of the credit in this Mike Shula obviously is the offensive yeah. coordinator but John Matsko the offensive line coach in Carolina's long 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 time been known as one of the better offensive line coaches in the National Football League yeah you got to remember now three years ago you know this this team was struggling on the offensive yeah. line Dave Gettleman goes out and he gets Michael Orr off the street you know he signs Michael Remmers as a free agent you know, they don't really have a lot of draft choices, high draft choices in that offensive line, but he's found guys that fit what they want to do. Uh, John Matsko's coached that ever-living dog out of them, and, you know, they've turned into a really good offensive line. And, you know, I, I, when you look at Carolina, and I think this is the same way that the Arizona coaches will look at Carolina, Colm, the place where Seattle felt, after a while, you could really get a sense in the game that Seattle and their, you know, their coaches, uh, Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator, really felt like McLean was the guy that they needed to go after. And they went after him big. And I'm sure with Michael Floyd and and Larry Fitzgerald and John Brown, the, you know McLean better get himself ready because they're going to go after him big. Yeah, and as well, um, you know, you obviously you're big into your special teams. Uh, Tyler Lockett this year has been sensational. You talk about going after McLean. He caught one of those deep touchdown passes. He's been tremendous this year on special teams. With his kickoff return at the start of the half, that kind of sparked them into life in the second half. But just all around, um, the Seahawks. Uh, kind of down year like I said for the Packers for them but almost again getting back to that NFC Championship game so they have something there to hang their hat on next game up is uh, the Denver Broncos Pittsburgh Steelers the Broncos getting the win in the end 23-17 this game uh, or sorry just before we finish on that Panthers game I want to mention Terrell or uh, Thomas Davis uh, you know ah, yeah, yeah that's what I meant to talk about and it, I was trying to figure it out in my head as I talked about it but that was sort of we look back last year and those shades just coming in of uh, the NFC Championship game last year where the Seahawks did come back there was the Russell Wilson touchdown pass to the back of the end zone it was kind of like that two-point conversion that he scored last year just under pressure about to get sacked tosses it up and gets the touchdown and then they go for the onside kick later on in the game and uh uh, Davis showing uh, Bostic what should have happened last year but when he not even not even the the way it was lined up and the way he caught it but he had to go out there and catch that and then he did get let up by Coleman <laughs> as he caught that so uh, ex- extremely good job with his hands to hold on to that would you normally uh, think of having the linebacker in there behind the line well, normally, no, that's going to be yeah. a receiver's position. I thought it was really incredible. And it, you really watch close because you see a lot of things that most people don't. You got three first-round draft choices at linebacker in Carolina. Yeah. Shaq Thompson, you, then you got Keekley, and you got Davis. Well, all three of those guys were at the point of attack on special teams on hands team. Yeah. So what that tells me when I watch it as a coach comp is that that football team is all in. I mean, there is no question that they're going to do whatever it takes 
to win football games yeah. and get themselves to the get Super Bowl. And that's yeah. absolutely – they're going to have their best players on the field in critical moments when you make plays that are going to decide the – you know, decide a football game. And that credit to Ron Rivera, credit to their special teams coach, and credit to all those players in that locker room that, you know, they're going to be a handful because they have such a belief in what they are and what they do. Yeah, it's very interesting. Obviously, you talk – you know, if you look at the, the Panthers receiving core – Probably, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of lighter guys in there. Maybe that's not who you want in catching it. I, I, maybe Greg Olson could have been the guy that's meant to be in there, but obviously we've seen in that game he hurt his shoulder kind of in that third quarter, fourth quarter kind of span. So maybe he's the guy that usually would be there and Thomas Davis might have to step in for him. Or do you think that Davis would be the hands man all along? I have no way of knowing. I'm yeah. I actually was shocked that it was a linebacker. Yeah, in I was there, shocked too. That's why I'm wondering. <laughs> you know, you got you got Funchess, that rookie receiver that's big, and they got you know you got Ed Dixon, and you got you know you got all those tight ends. Yeah. I just but you know what? It, it doesn't matter in the end. What matters to me is that they made the play number one and yeah. number two. That that is a. We say this all the time in coaching, Calm. You want to confirm with validity everything that you teach. Well, if you're teaching team concept number one and put the team before yourself, then Thomas Davis embodies exactly what you're teaching. So now in the future and in every meeting from now on, if I'm the special teams coach in Carolina, I stand up and I show that tape and I'm going to say, okay, rookie. You want to be on this football team? You were drafted in the first round. You haven't done anything yet. Here's a pro bowler, a pro bowler who steps up and puts his health at risk to help us win a football game. That's who we are. Yeah, and and that's, guy, that's priceless. A guy who has had so many injuries in his career has come back tremendously in uh, two or three great seasons in a row for him. Uh, great to see him coming up with a big play there. Back now to the Denver Broncos and the Steelers, as I mentioned. And this game was looking like it was going to go in the way of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bradley Roby with a big forced fumble from Fitzgerald Toussaint in the fourth quarter. DeMarcus Ware recovered that one, and then the Broncos go down and get the score. Then uh, there was obviously the situation with the uh, the Steelers going for it in fourth down and then that there give the Broncos a 10-point lead then the Steelers do get a field goal but can't recover the onside kick so in the end it goes the Broncos way but it was a strange game watching this compared to the other games it wasn't all that entertaining but different script than we thought we thought Ben uh, wouldn't be able to really go downfield he did throw a good few deep balls and they didn't really run the ball that much it was mostly on his arm Manning on the other hand the running game wasn't working in the first half at all for the Broncos, but it did get stronger as the game went on. And I thought Anderson, and I have thought this all season, that CJ Anderson is the more explosive running back out of the two of him and Hillman. And uh, he hit a couple of big, big runs in this. And uh, I think they should lean on him a little bit more going forward. But obviously the coaching staff in Denver know more than I do. But um, how did you think that Manning done in this one? He was quick after the game to, to, to thank his defense and so on. Um, obviously the, the team is going to go as far really as that defense brings them. Well, I, I think you're right on that. I think that Denver, for Denver to get to the Super Bowl, their defense is going to have to play lights out. Now, what is a concern to me is what I watched during the game, and I watched very closely because we were doing the game and, and we telestrated some things. Yeah. The ball right now, Calm, is not coming out of Peyton Manning's hand yeah. very well. You know, there are very few balls that really – and he's never been a really pretty passer. A lot of his balls have wobbled forever, but – you know, there were a couple plays where he's got Anderson out of the backfield and it's a check down. It's a simple throw. It's a 10-yard completion, and all he has to do is put it under his chin and the kid will run for 15 more yards. 
and he makes it a hard catch for him. And then Emmanuel's running a running a crosser, and and you know he gets his hands on the ball, but the ball is really off his body. And you know you say he's got to make that catch. Yes, he does. But you know if you look at it the other way, the quarterback's got to stick it on his chin so he can gain yardage. He suffered from some drops early in the game, some receiver challenges, some his challenges. But there's a there's a play in the I think it's the third quarter where Emmanuel runs a 19 yard comeback. And he drives the corner deep and comes back from the ball. And he yeah. ends up cradling the ball on his body because the ball is so late getting to him. Yeah. And the trajectory of the ball, when we put it on the telestrator, the trajectory of the ball was like it was a you know a 50-yard throw. It was a really high arc on the ball. Yeah. And he was only throwing from the middle of the field. So that really – you gotta you got to see this from a coach's standpoint. If you're Belichick and you're watching that tape, you're going to say, hey, listen, we're going to put more guys than they can block, which Pittsburgh did, put more guys than you block at the line of scrimmage, make it, make it hard to run the football. He can't throw the ball outside, and he can't throw the ball vertically down the field and bunch the middle and you know force him to make throws that are going to be hard for him to make. Not saying he can't make them, but the evidence that's on tape right now is that that's the way you should play him defensively. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, when you were looking at this game too, what I noticed on the broadcast a lot was when the commentators were talking about the game, they were talking about oh, it looks like that ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage. And then when it would show the replay, it wasn't. It was just that it was coming out of Manning's hands so wobbly that it actually looked like the ball was getting tipped. And that's not something you do see in the NFL on a regular basis. That you know, there was three or four times where that happened, the commentators thought it was tipped. Um, you mentioned Sanders. Obviously, there was a big play to him that swung this game hugely. Uh, Manning looked like he was going to get sacked. Kenny went down for a phantom sack, but got up very quickly tossed it to Sanders and he had a big big gain on that one uh, obviously the Steelers weren't happy they thought that Ben Roethlisberger had given himself up on the play what was your thoughts on that play because it was a, a huge momentum swinger in this one well it's a little bit difficult to, to, to tell whether Peyton actually slipped or yeah, whether he gave that's himself I thought he up. might have slipped but I just wasn't yeah. sure you know, because he's not the greatest of athletes back there moving around. But, you know, regardless for the Steelers, you know, you have to play through the whistles. That's one of the things you coach kids all the time. Say, hey, you play to the echo of the whistle. Do not allow the officials to be a factor in the game. As long as you play the echo of the whistle, we're going to be fine. And what happens, and this happens at all levels, is Manning went down and everybody hesitated. And then Emmanuel uncovered, and all of a sudden now you give up a huge play. It wasn't pretty, and it probably wasn't very well officiated, but it is what it is. And, <laughs> and you know, it's just it's frustrating, I'm certain, if you're a F Pittsburgh Steeler fan. And, and, you know, if you're a fan of football, you, you look at the officials and go, come on, guys. So, I, I don't, you know, again, that's a tough one. Yeah, you. Many times you've been on this show, and many times I think I've brought this point up to you, uh, and you, you'll have used this with your team. Uh, it's not about winning pretty; it's just about winning, and uh, you know it doesn't really matter. So, uh, the one thing I will say here: the Steelers, um, you know, looked a lot better than I projected going into the game. Uh, Martavis Bryant had a big game, 154 yards in the air for him, and he had 40 yards rushing as well on an end around. Um, if Antonio Brown had been fit in this and had been able to play, I think. 
I think the Steelers take this. It's one of those games where it'll be a, a what if story for the Steelers uh, if the Broncos do go on and make the Super Bowl. But uh, you know, it's uh, a win in the end for the Broncos, and it sets up another match between uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. But this one is going to be looked at a little bit differently to those past contests. And at the moment, in the early stages of looking through uh, the matchups for the game, I have to say that I'll be leaning towards the New England Patriots in that one. But that's uh, all this week's games run through. Only four this week. Is there any other points out of those four games, Jeff? that we didn't mention that you wanted to dig up in particular? Well, I think, you know, again, if you're a Steeler fan, and, and I th- it's always, you know, you have to uh, divorce yourself as fast as you can from the emotion of the what just transpired and look, you know, to the future. If you're a Steeler fan and you recognize that you're going to have D'Angelo Williams back yeah. and Antonio Le'Veon, Brown... Not to mention Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> yeah, Le'Veon Bell will be back. Antonio Brown will be back. Kelvin Beecham will be back. Right now, they've got... They've got outstanding young talent in, in their kicker and punter. Yeah. I think right now, if you look at the Steelers, where they are with Big Ben still having probably three, maybe four good years left in it, they are poised to make a Super Bowl run. They should be one of the favorites to get to the Super Bowl next year. The critical factor for me now, if you're the Steelers, is you've got to help yourself in the secondary. You've got four first-round draft choices at linebacker. Hayward and those defensive linemen are far more athletic, far better pass rushers than Kimo Van Olhoff and and the guys that have played before them. They've really done a good job of upgrading there. They need secondary help. Yeah, I agree with you there. And um, I I think... The only concern I would have with uh, the wide receiver core there is Bryant off the field. On the field, I think he's absolutely amazing. And uh, off the field, just with that four-game ban at the start of the season, you would worry. Hopefully he stays out of any incident this offseason. Last thing, Jeff, you're doing the uh, NFL UK tour, uh, doing the podcast on the road. And a lot of people tweeting in, obviously, in Ireland, wondering, is there a chance uh, this year or in the future that it rolls across the uh, rolls across the ocean <laughs> you know it's funny it's because this thing really started as just an idea that we popped to alistair kirkwood in the nfl europe office and alistair's a great guy and really 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 wants to see the game grow all over the uk yeah. but the time factor that we got into because we started this whole process late we just yeah, logistically we logistically couldn't get to ireland but i said this last week on the pod and i and i truly mean it i mean i don't care if i gotta swim there next year we're going to (laughs) ireland because the irish fans are so phenomenal and i remember when uh darren o'toole who who was the coach at uh you know a little college in in dublin brought me over there a couple years ago and we put on a practice for any kid that wanted to show up in ireland and you know it's like nine o'clock in the morning and this you know this bunch of kids come onto the practice field and they look half asleep and i said where are you guys from they said we're from belfast i said are you kidding me you drove all the way down here to be here at nine o'clock in the morning i mean that's just how passionate the irish fans are and so obviously we are going to get back to ireland no question about it and uh, yeah, just a shout out uh, when you mentioned the guys from Belfast. It's probably some of the guys from the Belfast Trojans uh, team. That actually, is exactly yeah. right. And they they You're have right. actually the last four years. The last, I'm not sure if it was the last three or four years won outright in Ireland, and this year they actually went into a European competition and won that too. So I played against them this year. Those guys are dominant and uh, probably picked up some tips there from you, coach, at that session. But uh, as always, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. 
and uh, look forward to doing it again. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs, obviously, and uh, keep up the good work. All right. Well, you enjoy your winter down under, man. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, you're it's smarter about, than all the rest of us. You headed for the sunshine. Yeah, it's. Uh, I got a couple of sun, sunburn in December. Is not something I'm used to, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, enjoy the cold as it, as it moves on. But uh, should be should be fun watching these games this coming week, and then obviously the Super Bowl. But as always, an absolute pleasure. All right, Colm. Thank you very much for having me. Hi, this is Harry Carson, former New York Giant and Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to Overtime Ireland. So there goes Jeff once again. Thanks to him. Give him a follow on Twitter at Jeff underscore Rainbow. Well worth a follow. Does uh, a lot of interaction on there with all of his uh, followers. Anyone that has any questions about the game, very, very knowledgeable and always appreciate his time on the show. Another early recording for this one up right and early, 7am as I record right now and uh, getting ready just shortly after this to head off to work, catch the train very, very shortly. So hopefully it's another one that you've enjoyed. I mentioned at the start the iTunes ratings, that does help us a lot. So please, if you have a spare moment, go over and head us up on that there. Give us a couple of retweets on at Overtime Ireland. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. Only three games remaining in the regular season. We are heading towards the Super Bowl, obviously, in between we will have the Pro Bowl sandwiched in there and uh, I know a lot of people you know, aren't big fans of watching the Pro Bowl now as, as what it has turned into but it'll be sandwiched in the week uh, before the Super Bowl and then we have the Super Bowl and then we get to go through the whole off-season again with the, the draft talk, uh, the combine and so on and then free agency before that just makes it so so uh, so interesting and then we get to go through all the uh, you know fantasy football getting ready for the fantasy drafts getting ready for the regular season all over again looking forward to it once again so until i'm back to do the preview show later in the week for the two games coming up this weekend can be joined on that show by matt williamson uh, formerly of the espn football today podcast so do uh, come back and listen to that one i'm really looking forward to talking with matt so the first time we've had him on this show and until then have a good one thank you for listening to the overtime ireland american football podcast please follow us on twitter at overtime ireland check out overtimeireland.com and continue to spread the word this has been an overtime ireland production